0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik, recording for the first time in Boulder, Colorado, where I'm studying at Naropa University in their MFA in Contemporary Performance Program. Just kicking off the second week here, studying acting and voice and somatics and meditation practice and practice as research and dissemination. So lots of good learning going on. Very happy to be back in the classroom, in Hardwood Studios, rolling around on the floor a lot. It's one of my favorite things to do. This episode, 101, with Maymay Garcia. She's amazing. She's about to start her grad school program. She was awarded the John Witt Award through the Fulbright program. And Courtney Meekers, you know at Iowa in the MFA and Playwriting Program. So Seattle's spitting out some pretty amazing theater artists who are going all over the country, all over the world, to deepen their understanding of theater. So, awesome. We rock. Yay, Seattle. Yay, Boulder. Yay, Iowa. Yay, England. Right? This episode is sponsored by Parley Productions. They have an upcoming production on Tuesday, September 6th. At 7 p.m. at West of Lennon, which is The Other Side of Silence and Insufficient, two short plays by Grace Carmack. Actors featured Aaron Gray, Emily Pike, Eleanor Withrow. Check it out, ParleyProductions.com. I think that's all for now. Hey, please enjoy episode 101 with Meme Garcia. I'm pleased to welcome, can I call you a powerhouse? I want mean, to call you a powerhouse. <laughs> yes. Leonard Garcia is here. Welcome to the podcast. You are the last podcast that I'm recording. Really? In Seattle, proper. That, that is, is a distinct honor. Oh. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be doing dramatic readings of Broad City script. <laughs> Just, no. yes. 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 So I first saw you in The Tempest, mm-hmm. and then shortly afterwards, got to see you in Bernie's apartment Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I love your work on stage there's like I was thinking about it on the on the drive over there is an authenticity and a fierceness Mm. about it and I'm just very drawn to you and when you have a podcast it's not creepy to say that you're drawn to performers and you can just (laughs) interview them so uh welcome let's talk about acting and stuff yeah schmackting let's talk about it schmackting bring it all out lard it up let's do it so you're about to leave this fair fair what i don't know what i was going with it there was a hamlet no hamlet (laughs) but that would be weird because you just did hamlet as you can see i am like a hard-hitting journalist here uh so you fucking out of fulbright I did get a Fulbright, yeah. It's pretty insane. It's... How? Did, let's start there. What? What? <laughs> hap- I mean, congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank incredible. You.
1: It is really cool and super surreal. Um, I applied for the same Fulbright twice in a row. I got rejected immediately from the first time, and I was like, uh, and I'd never really been rejected. I mean, we've all experienced rejection, sure. But I was like, you know, a senior in college, and I was like, I could do anything, and it was like, Pfft, no. And I was just like, oh my god, and uh, that was really hard. And then I was not gonna apply for anything, you know. I was just kind of like, I'm just gonna hang out in Seattle for a bit. And my mom is the Fulbright advisor at Seattle U, which is like, ah, she's really good at her job. I yeah. know. <laughs> just saying, I don't know. Um, <laughs> she's amazing. And she sat me down. She's like, hey, you're already like, you've already done all the work. You have all these essays. It, it'll take you hardly any time at all. It's free to apply, and the benefits are amazing. And I was like, oh, I don't wanna. And she was just like, do it in a way that, like, I'm sure a millennial mom, right, will just, you know, she smacked some sense into me. Um, and I restructured my essays a lot more, focusing on um, the idea that I was told at a young age that Shakespeare was not for me. and And I kind of had a big reaction to that in terms of i was like you're right i'm not smart enough i'm not white enough my voice sounds too ghetto i don't have the right body type all these things right and um and i and i, and I really just started to do all these like i would i would pr- work on professional shakespeare shows but in like backstage kind of production roles like sure. i'd be a, a a stage management intern or i'd be a production intern or i'd be an ad like i never like really got on stage but what i did do was like i worked on these professional shakespeare shows where they would like tour to prisons or we would work in like juvenile detention centers or we would like tour it like around the greater Seattle area. Um, And I and I started to realize that like Shakespeare was a, a man and also an artist. And he created his art at a time where it was fundamentally dangerous to be an artist. Like, the, you know, the late 1500s, early 1600s was not, they were not kind to artists. And artists were seen as, like, this weird dichotomy of, like, whore and panhandler. Right. And so to be, like, to be an actor and saying his words was a truly revolutionary act. And that somewhere along the lines, Shakespeare was taken away from the people it was originally intended for, and it was given to this, like, weird, white, elite world of, like, academics. And... That wasn't my experience, though, with Shakespeare. It was, like, doing it, like, in parks, like, in gymnasiums, like, scrounging together everything. And, um, and so the Fulbright I applied for was to get my master's, is to get my master's in classical acting for the professional theater from Lambda, which is an, it's a very long,
0: <laughs> long title. The face is like, oh my god. It's a no, long no, title. No, I love it. No, I love, <laughs> I, I just, uh, for those who might not know, the London Academy of music Music, and dramatic art yeah should have known what i was saying before i started everyone just calls it lambda and why did you decide that that was the place for you
1: well this is so the fulbright it's a new fulbright and it's only the only fulbright really that you can i'm sure study classical acting in is that it's called the john wood award for classical acting and it pays for one student every year to get their master's in classical acting from lambda and it's a very new thing. It, I think I'm the second kid who's gotten it. And um, it's amazing. It just pays for everything. They give you a full ride. They pay for your room and board. They pay for you to see shows. Um, and so that was my thing is I was, it wasn't necessarily that like I chose Lambda, it was like Lambda chose me, right? Like I saw there, I saw this program and I saw an opportunity for um, for me to place myself within Lambda. And the idea of like being in the city where Shakespeare wrote his plays like, studying at, like, like the one of the best institutions to, like, st- study classical text um, as, like, a person who was told their whole life, like, they're never going to be good enough, they're not smart enough, all these things. To, like, get that was just this, like, wonderful moment of just, like, shattering any expectation I had for myself or, like, what people thought of me. Um, so, yeah, I guess that was, like, a, like, Lambda found me and I found Lambda, you know? But I wasn't like, what school should I go to? Yeah, wasn't really planning on going to grad school.
0: I'm just in awe of you. I think that's so, <laughs> that's absolutely incredible. And um, you got it on the second try. I know, it you took got me. A Fulbright, there was just one. I know. <laughs> second try, bam. So when you were putting your application mm-hmm. materials together, what were you writing in those essays? Mm-hmm. What, like, what? Well, you have Less to write two. Yeah, you have to
1: write two essays. Um, you have to answer a bunch of questions. It's like a normal standard college app, except your two essays are you have like a personal statement. You have one page just to write about who you are, and then you have to write a statement of grant purpose. Um, and the statement of grant purpose is like what your project will be. Right. And so my project was getting my master's in classical acting from Lanza. But it was weird because you have to write this like academic paper about why you want to study Shakespeare for the rest of your life. Like why Shakespeare? What is it about Shakespeare? And the question I was asking myself in the essays, and I continue to ask myself today and now, is um, why am I so obsessed with this like white centric narrative and this like white dead man? Why do I continue to come back to his works instead of looking at my own works or like studying Jose Rivera or Sheri Moraga or like you know um, Octavio Solis or looking at the Chicano movement? Like why do I continue to gravitate to, <laughs> to this? dead white man who, like, lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago and perpetuates this white-centric narrative. And um, I think that was the thing that they were, like, stoked on was this was this person being like, why should I care? You know, like, very bluntly, just being like, I don't know why I care. But I do care. Like, when I say his words, it's it, I feel a kind of power that I've never felt before. And to be uttering, like, these words which have stood the test of time is... A, in and of itself, a revolutionary and counterculture act. And what i realized, too, from working with the populations I've worked with, is, like, when they take something that they've been told they're not allowed to do, or that they're not smart enough to do, which is, like, at the foundation of modern, you know, contemporary literature, and they take this, like, huge work, and they make it their own, it is so powerful in a way that we don't, as, like, everyday human beings, get to experience Right. I think. And um, and so my thing is I was like, I want to be – the, I want to demand the most of myself. I was going to say the best, but that's a terrible, terrible word because I don't want to do that. But I want to be able to demand the most of myself so that in the future, like, when I work with marginalized populations, underserved populations, that they can demand the most of me. And that it's not like I'm not wasting anyone's time and I know what I'm talking about and I know who I am. And um, that you're just trying to do the work as truthfully and honestly as possible. So, yeah.
0: <clears throat> what are you most looking forward to getting, you know, when you're there? Has it, has it sunk in yet that you're going? <laughs> it sunk in to me yesterday because Hamlet
1: just closed. So, and right. Hamlet was like, well, I'm ADing Winter's Tale, which uh, directed by Sheila Daniels at uh, Seattle Shakes. Um, but, I mean, it's a much different, right ADing is way different than acting in it. Or having to, like, design. I can't... Oh, I don't even want... I wouldn't be i ter- I'm a terrible designer. Um, <laughs> I can't even... I <laughs> just, like, I had a mini panic attack. But it sunk in a lot yesterday just because I was like, okay, cool. So now I'm going to London. And it was just like... I was like... Ugh. Um, what am I most excited for? Man, I'm gonna... I was, I've been listening to this podcast called Lore. L-O-R-E. I've heard of it. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. It is... Pretty trippy. I mean, and it's essentially about like how, as humanity, we've like rationalized the unexplainable. And like, mostly what it comes down to is that there's been all these violent atrocities over the course of time. And we blame, we like create folklore around it to like rationalize it. And uh, there's this one podcast that was about this like graveyard in London and how it's like super haunted. And all these people have written books about it and there's movies about it. And I was like, I think what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go to libraries and like research haunted spots in London and then just go to them I don't know why I'm like I just want to like be in that energy for a second and then be freaked out and then leave but um I'm probably going to do that and I'm going to see all these shows I want to see The Cursed Child even though I've I've heard it's terrible but I'm going to go see it (laughs) I mean like you're right there at like West End the National Theater have you been to London before? I've never well I went once on a layover I was going to Zambia and I went once but it's amazing. Have you been?
0: Yeah, there is. Uh, we did this, the way that my undergraduate was structured, we had a semester and then January you just took one class for the month and then mm. another semester. And so my junior year we went, it was pubs, players, <laughs> playhouses, oh! something like that. And uh, yeah, we saw something like 20, 20, 20 plays in a month, Yeah, something like that. We went to Stratford and York and London. And it's... I can't wait for you to see a piece of theater in London because the audiences, you can just feel energetically, there's a so stout. much more reverence for mm-hmm. the craft of it. Not yeah. to say, sometimes in America, yes, you get a great audience and they're so with you, mm-hmm. but then you also get people who are like in in shorts and... On their phones. On their and- phones and, or even talking during a play and yeah. they see nothing wrong with it. And it, you can tell that it's like, it's holy there. It's 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 Special. upheld to a higher cultural relevance, I think. That's, you know, all the wisdom 20-year-old me had, you know, no, I 10 mean, years ago. I was
1: talking to – I had the pleasure of meeting Michael Winters, who's an incredible actor from Seattle, and he had no idea who I was. But um, I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with you. And he was telling me he went to London for, like, 50 days or something. He got a fellowship to go for 50 days. And he saw like sixty-five plays, and he was like, "That's what you have to do. You are in like the the like, the-, the theater capital of the world, in a way that's that we don't under we, you know in Seattle we don't really understand that. But he's just like, there's so much theater, and you have you have to do it. You have to see it. And that was a part of my Fulbright was being in the town like and seeing shows. And there's a production of Hamlet right now at RSC that I really want to see. It's an all-black Hamlet." fantastic which i'm like super stoked i get to i think it ends like october 15th or something so i have like just enough time to get out there and right. see it yeah i'm pretty excited about that
0: um yeah so going into grad school are you Are there certain roles that you know that you want to tackle? Are you going to have any agency over that? Or is it sort of going to be working, you're going to be assigned scenes and whatnot? I mean, you might not even know yet.
1: Yeah, they haven't sent me any. I'm like, oh. They haven't sent me any. I am like they have not sent me any i do not know what classes I'm taking. Yeah, I mean, I think the role I've been, uh, the two, I think, Shakespeare roles I've been most obsessed with for a long time has been Viola from Twelfth Night. Um, and Hamlet from Hamlet, uh, just in terms of, like, looking at those two plays as, looking at Hamlet in terms of, like, the idea of a young person struggling with with the inevitability of their own death, you know, and, and how we, how we face our own death and what death means as, as a young person in this time, you know, is pretty, um, pretty special intense in terms of, like, I identify as queer and I am half Salvadoran. So, like, those experiences I have are much different for some of my other friends. And looking at my primos in El Salvador, like, it's much different for them. And, um, and then Twelfth Night being a show about, I mean, yes, it is about these, like, rich people that fuck with, you know, each other's lives. But it is That's a show. a great synopsis <laughs> of Twelfth Night. <laughs> but, it is, but it's also, I think, a, a show that has this like lead female that is so strong in a way that so many of his I mean his women are strong, a lot of his women are strong. But the idea of having a woman lead the play is kind of unheard of for Shakespeare's works. Um, and so that's why I'm just fascinated by like being a woman, be identifying as a woman and playing a female character and leading having to like lead the whole show I think would be intense but I also don't know what they're gonna do you know last year I know they did Othello last year the year before I don't uh, I don't know they they know they, they're very secretive about what they do there okay there's like not very though they did Richard the second I think the year before that but they don't like let anyone know like I got this like for terms and conditions at the work. <laughs> and and they, it was, like, five pages long. And it was, like, you were not allowed to tell anyone what you're doing. You're not allowed to release anything on social media. You're not – like, literally, you're not allowed to tell anyone or you could get expelled. So I <laughs> – no, I only know that they did Othello because of my audition with them last year, which was insane. Oh, worst audition ever. But, yeah. So you audition – did you do a video audition for them? No. Or? The audition process was insane. I um, was in tech – for the birds at straw shop and luckily like i mean greg carter is a amazing human being and he was like you know what this is a pretty big deal that you because how it is is that you apply and then they tell you in january if you've moved on to the next phase and the next phase is then they pass you over to lambda and you have to go to a special audition in new york um, and then Lambda tells the Fulbright committee, yo, this is who we want. And then the Fulbright committee then interviews you. And then they kind of come together and pick. So wow. I found out like during rehearsals for the birds that I'd made it to the next phase. But that my, the only date to audition was like sometime early January and you had to go to New York. Like you weren't, you, they wouldn't come, even though they were coming to Seattle, they wouldn't consider you unless you went to New York. And so Greg was like, "Okay, cool, we'll make it work. You'll leave at 10 PM from tech. So I took a red eye. I got to New York at 7 AM. My audition Uh was at 10. And then I finished my audition. I went to the MoMA for like an hour. And then I got back on a plane and went back into tech. And so the whole time I had like maybe like three hours of sleep because I was so nervous. And I show up to this like, it was like in Chelsea, and you see all of the other, like the all. it was all girls. How many people were there? There were five other girls. And we were all, <sighs> it was, we were all applying for the Fulbright, we were all made it to the next level, and you're all in the same room. And they're all, like, you know what I mean? Like, lovely, ta- like super smart human beings. Like I was just, and I was sitting there with like no sleep, and I was like, Aah! I'm <laughs> just like panicking because I was also in tech for this crazy show. And uh um and they'd all been there for like a week. You know, they were like, we just took some time off from school and we're just hanging out, going to see shows, and I'm like, I'm in the middle of tech right now, and I hate myself. <laughs> and um and I was the last person too, and they were really
0: late. So, so you sat- all, uh, I saw the everyone go in, in, come out,
1: go in, come out, go in, come out. And then I also it was supposed to go at like 10 or something. And they didn't get to me until 1130. So I was there just sitting there for an hour and a half. And on top of that, the girl who went before me sang sang the exact same song that I was going to sing. No. So I was like, I'm switching. (laughs) I was like, ma, I'm switching. And so I sang this uh, Spanish Revolution song. I ended up singing the Spanish Revolution song called "Solo de Pido Adios, which is a beautiful song. What were you going
0: to sing? May I ask Yeah, I was going to
1: sing All Fly Away from Brother World, though. A great song. I mean, people sing it all the time. So I could have, you know, but I was just like. No. no. I'm gonna actively make a different choice and if, whether or not it's gonna be good, it's gonna be different. I was also really sleep deprived. But I walk in there and they're these like two very British looking men <laughs> and it's like a beautiful, like well lit room, and um I kind of stand up and I'm like clearly tweaking. I'm just super nervous and uh they're like, Great, so I'm not even gonna try it. I'm okay. not gonna imitate the accent because right. I Terrible, But impeccable. It, yeah, right? it, with impeccable speech. They're like, hey, so just do your stuff, you know, and and uh, we don't want this to be like an ERDA. So just stop after your first piece. We might want to talk to you, and then we'll tell you when to do your second piece. And that was kind of shattering because I've done general, like I've prepared these... I had a bunch of pieces prepared that i do at Generals, and one piece leads you
0: into the next, you know? So I was like, okay. It's the opposite of everything that we're taught, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. like, you're supposed to be a good robot, oh. go in, don't look <laughs> yes. up, don't show any emotion,
1: and, and leave. leave. And I was like, this is, okay. So that was, like, the first warning sign. And I do my first piece, which okay, is... which was
0: the first well, first <laughs> piece?
1: I do Joan Lepusel from Henry VI Part One. Okay, all right. And I do the, where she's like, they're about to, like, kill her, and she's, like, trying to reason with them and um i also my friend victoria mcnaughton helped me translate i do part of it in spanish so when she's like fed up with them she just switches into spanish which is also like a gamble i was like i don't know if these british people will like that so then i do that piece and they're like hmm they don't say anything they're like next piece and i'm like cool and i do my second piece which is like a funny contemporary thing from um luna theater in chicago Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like a, this, like, she's like an 18-year-old born-again Christian talking to, like, this Latina talking to her um, gay aunt, trying to, like, convince her to not be gay. It's pretty, it's like, but then she's also gay. Like, everyone's gay at the end. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny. But it's a good piece. And she talks about pizza. <laughs> um, and they were like, hmm, hmm, what else? And it, originally in the email they told us we were only going to do two pieces. But I had two extra ones backed up just in case. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I did Cymbeline. Um, and they were like, great, 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 what else? And then I did a piece from José Rivera's Brain People, which is, like, my favorite play of all time. Um, and then, I'd done four pieces, and they are like, great, great, what else? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what else? <laughs> I'm like, what other piece? And I was like, um, okay. And then I did um, this piece that Scott Kaiser wrote. Uh, he wrote a sequel to Love's Labor's Lost called Love's Labor's One, written in niambic pentameter. And I was like, I'll do that. (laughs) You know, I'll do Ross' line from Leslie Rose One. And they were like, lovely, lovely. What else? So this is like, I'm like five, right? Yeah, five. five. And I'm like, okay. I I was like, I have Eurydice from Sarah Rule's Eurydice. So I I did that. And so I'm six pieces
0: in now. And they're like,
1: lovely, lovely. What else? Like seven pieces in, and I've this has never happened to me. Like, I've never, and at the time, it felt like it was because it's a
0: situation that you're always supposed to be preparing yes, for, and never happens because it
1: never it doesn't happen to anyone, right? Like, right. it's like it's unheard of that that happens. And I was like, Oh, this is supposed to be because my pieces aren't good enough, is what it felt like in the moment. Like, they need to see more because I'm not good enough. It
0: was probably like stamina. They're like, Okay, where's the stamina y- here? Can, yeah,
1: can we, maybe I don't know. know. But I don't
0: then know. I was talking to my, my, my friend Mariah, and
1: she was like, no, that she's like they wouldn't have. If you were bad, they wouldn't have asked to see more yeah. pieces. Yeah. They would have been like, "Thank you so much for your time." There we go. That was it. And um, <laughs> and so then I ended. So you're at seven. I'm at seven, and then uh, I was like, you know what? I have Viola make me a Willow cabin, and they were like, "Lovely, do that." And I get there, and I'm like doing it, and I'm in it, and I love this play, and I love this part, and, then, <laughs> and I'm like. And let the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia. And then I'm like, oh, wow. And I was like, and that's it. I forgot the last, like, three lines of the speech. <laughs> and I was like, and that's all I have. There's nothing else. Nope, nothing. There's nothing more. And they were like, cool, great, awesome. And I was like, so trained by the end of it. And then they sat down and they wanted to, um, They what was the Oh, they were like what's your relationship like to your voice? And I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to make a joke. And I was like, well, we were on rough terms before, but I think we're getting back together, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and they just didn't laugh. <laughs> he was like, he was like, no, I, I don't, I don't know what you mean. And I was like, boss. <laughs> and I was like, well, and then I kind of taught, I do have issues with my voice and English wasn't my first language. So I've struggled with consonants and, Um, I'm, I don't have enough breath support and, you know, all these things. And he was like, yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. yes."
1: And I was like, oh, cool. I'm playing, I'm playing into this. Here we go. And then the other question they asked me was, I have a lot of directing credits on my resume. And he was like, do you want to be a director or do you want to be an actor? I was like, I've made. What (laughs) kind of a question is that? Sorry. I know. In the moment, it just felt like that. I was like, why would I be here? If I wanted to be a director But I mean it was a good question though He asked because I I do a lot of directing Well I did before this year Because it's it allows me to Be a better actor and that's, Absolutely. You know what I mean Because like, yeah. then you know how to communicate With directors You know what they need And you know how to effectively get it done um, And how to like take notes Just mm-hmm. like a simple thing Right? But it's like just don't It should be take simple. The note.
0: <laughs> it should be simple, right? It should be simple. I just but I had one one director and I, re- I remembered it locking in. He was just like, If unless you're confused, unless you don't understand the note, say thank you. And, <laughs> and let's <take> move <laughs> on. If you and I need to have a one on one, let's not waste anyone else's time. No, I was no. like, oh, okay. Oh okay. Oh
1: oh. oh. So yeah, so that, that that was good that he asked that because I was able to like kind of talk to him. Right. And I also was like, to be honest, this was the only opportunity I had to get into professional rooms for a long time was to be like an AD or to be a stage management intern or, you know, to work with Tina Packer whom I'm like obsessed with um, was to be like a plebe, you know? I wasn't gonna, they weren't gonna cast me. (laughs) They had no idea who I was. Um, So yeah, and then they were like, awesome, thank you so much. We'll we'll see you later. And then I got back on a plane and I was like, oh my God, it was the worst audition I've ever done. And... I was like really sure I had pretty much just kind of discounted it because it was it I felt really bad about it only because I'd never been in that kind of situation where I had to do so many pieces that I was like kind of unprepared for and I was like so sleep deprived and so stressed but yeah it ended up working out just fine so how soon after that did you hear it took them forever it took them a long time because so what I think is, is that they then went on, like, a tour of the U.S. auditioning. They auditioned in New York, in Chicago, in San Francisco, and in Seattle. So they had to build their whole cohort
0: before they could tell. they were going tell. for the... They, you know, are looking at the non-Fulbright people as Non-Fulbright well. Non-Fulbright people. So they had to build a whole
1: cohort, and then they had to go back to the Fulbright people and be like, I'm sure, like, here's our final, like, two out of the five that you've given us. And... Um, then the Fulbright, I you do a phone interview with the like the head of the UK Fulbright essentially, and then they go back and they decide. But the the cool thing is is that the Lambda people they didn't see any of my audition like any of my um sorry not my audition Essay. they essays, so they had no the only thing they had was my headshot and resume that was it and my auditions which is cool to like to be like oh you don't even know that I'm also like, I mean of course they probably assumed I was smart because I made it to the Fulbright the finals of the Fulbright but. Um, so yeah, that was really cool.
0: Yeah. Wow! I want I want ruined. I want to read your memoir whenever it comes out. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> so let's 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 go back. Let's go back and see if can you pinpoint the moment that you fell in love with performance?
1: Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it all revolves around Shakespeare. So when I was twelve, my aunt and my uncle are my same age. My grandma had my mom really young, and then continued to have kids. Until so she was, like, a normal age of having kids. <laughs> and so my aunt and my uncle are my age. Okay. And they're great. And uh, my aunt, Grace, was super into acting. She was, like, the one that was, like, the... <laughs> the dramatic one of the family. She dressed up. She pretended to be a bat for a whole year. Like, oh. would hang upside down. She had a bat costume she wore everywhere. Okay. And we were all like, great, she's going to be an actor. And I um, was pretty shy as a kid because... We had moved, I moved around a lot. And I just had like a different life than most kids, you know? Like I had a single mom. Um, my dad never is never comes to the States, both because he can't get a visa and because he hates the United States so much. Um, and I grew up speaking English and Spanish, and like I would travel a lot because my family lived in, uh, um, in El Salvador, and my mom worked her butt off all the time so my life was like very different from many of my friends and when I moved to Seattle m- many of my friends because they were so well like just just a lot more money here yeah. than like in Boston and Miami where I was staying and uh I just hung out in my house in the basement playing lots of video games and uh my mom remarried my stepdad who's this lovely 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 man um and he's like raised me but um they were like, we have to get her out of the house. <laughs> it's like summer in the Pacific Northwest. We have to get her the fuck out of the house. Right. The fuck out of the house. And um, my mom was like, she sat my aunt and my uncle down. And she's like, I've signed you all up for a Shakespeare intensive for the summer. Age, and it's like ages like twelve to eighteen on Bash on Islands, and but I was it's like
0: from like zero to sixty, oh, right? I, but because... I think she
1: signed up because my my aunt was so obsessed with Shakespeare, was like right. so obsessed with Shakespeare, so obsessed with acting, and my uncle and I were like the fuck is this, <laughs> and we were like totally against it because we were really into video games, and um, my mom just literally was like, if you don't get out of the house, like I'm gonna, we're gonna have a problem. And, she, and I was like, I'm not going to do it. And she always, when she gets mad at me, she says my name in Spanish. And she's like, Amelia Garcia Cocoroy, you will get out of this house and you will do this. So help me God. <laughs> and we showed up on the first day and I'm like, this is so stupid. And my aunt got cast as Gertrude. And my uncle got cast as Polonius. And I was cast as Bernardo. It's like, great. This is all I need is like two lines at the beginning. And then I piece for the rest of the show. And I like hated all of it. And then the girl who was playing Hamlet... She got really sick, like, three days before we were supposed to open our, like, summer-intensive Shakespeare Hamlet. And I was the only person with a part small <gasps> enough that they could give it to someone else. So then they <laughs> they cast me as Hamlet. He was like, he didn't even know my name. He's like, what's your name? And I was like, oh Maymay. God. And he was like, you're Hamlet now. So then I ended up playing Hamlet at the age of 12. And the girl who was playing Ophelia was, like, 17. So she's, like, I just remember her being this, like, beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed. Like, she was so beautiful. And I was, like, a literal potato. And I loved it. And it was the first time where I, like, had people dying for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I had people listening to me. And in terms of, like, not the people on stage. I think it could be argued that many people in Hamlet don't listen to Hamlet. Right. But the people in the audience were just like, please, more, more, right. more. Like, we want we want to see you and we want to see your arc and we want, we're interested in you. And then also at the age of 12 to be like, but what is this quintessence of dust? <laughs> right? Like, to be saying these huge words that I've never thought I would ever say. And then I got, I was obsessed with theater from then on. Like, I was like, I'm signed up for the rest of my life. And I, you know, there are many stories that are funny that go on after that. But, um, yeah, so it was that. It was Hamlet. That's,
0: like, the best how I got into theater story. <laughs> From Bernardo to Hamlet to the Fulbright. <laughs> yeah, it was the progression of it, so. That's amazing. So you just kept up with it? I just kept up. Yeah, For so school. I started, I did a lot of community
1: theater. On Vashon, there's, like, a big community theater scene, drama doc. I did that, and um, and then I did. I went uh, in my high school. The musicals were really big. And we had our my drama teacher in high school had has a PhD in theater,
0: which oh, wow. is like unheard
1: of. So he's literally he's a doctor, and we called him Dr. Floyd, Mr. Floyd, Dr. Floyd, and he was just like super knowledgeable about like everything. And we read yeah. like Angels in America. We read Angels in America in my high school. And he was, like, he's amazing. And then also my other professor, uh, my, my other teacher, uh, Harris Levinson, kind of got me into documentary theater and, like, doing interviews about there's a big drug problem on Bashon. So we interviewed all these kids about, like, drugs and just, like, trying to talk to adults on, like, why kids do drugs. But it was, like, the first time I'd ever been introduced to documentary theater, and that was really cool. So And then I got into Seattle Children's Theater. And Seattle Children's Theater has this incredible program for young actors, Called YAI, the Young Actors Institute, and it's led by Alvin Dennis and Sheila Daniels. I think she still leads it. Yeah, we all know she's she's a superhero, <laughs> is what she was. Sheila, bless, Daniels Sheila is. bless, blah, blah, blah. And uh, <laughs> I was for the first time kind of like placed in a program with like 25 other young kids who were like just as into theater as I was. And like clearly wanted to do this in like a, a bigger way than like just doing. High school musicals right. and um, just doing community theater productions, and it was also the first time where like adults were like, "You're rad. Don't let anyone tell you anything else. But you're you're fucking rad." Yeah. And she and Sheila definitely like Sheila and Albin. I would say like for sure changed my life in that instance. Like having adults take you seriously and having them like look at you as like a as like a, a an important thing um, for someone who had been like. I had a terrible high school experience. So for someone who was like pretty much ignored and felt kind of like unloved in high school to have these adults, like look at you with like love and tenderness after knowing me for like six weeks, you know, and she was still like one of my best. She's now one of my like closest friends and and it's, I'm blessed to have her and all it in my life. But, um, so yeah, they found me and they like nurtured me and then I took all their, like I took every advanced acting class I could at, um, at Seattle Children's Theater. And then I ended up getting, a. Full ride to go to Seattle University, which I didn't even know had a theater department when I went. I was going to be like a teaching major. And then I walked into their theater, and it is have you ever been in the Lee Center? Mm -mm. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's this black box. It's just a normal black box, but it's incredible. It's just this like cavern that you can do anything with. And I saw a show there and I was like, sign me up. Where do I sign up? I'm signed up. And then I got to know Rosa. Josie, who's like the artistic, well, she's the founder, but one of the founding members of Upstart Grow. She's directing at Seattle Shakes next year. And then I got to meet Kai Gottberg and like just all these people who were like, we're like, you're important. We want you. This is a really small program and we're building it and we want you to be a part of building it. So yeah, it's like the long story. I'm talking a lot. I love it. That's the point. Okay. This is your
0: interview. <laughs> is <a> podcast. <laughs> I know I could just I could just keep keep listening to you I guess I should say some stuff and ask some leading questions so you know where to go so what were the highlights of your time at Seattle U like was there one production that you were like yes this was my crowning glory (laughs) one crowning glory um
1: you know I so there's like I love Seattle I love Seattle University for a number of reasons um And I love the theater department Um, only because like you have to do everything there. And um, but I remember I had had a really intense summer. I did a Freehold's engaged theater program. I was like a general intern and it was really hard for me because I was super young and had very little experience and knew nothing and kind of at Freehold, it's like everyone does everything right. Like there's and I was just like kind of traumatized from that because it was like my first foray into doing that kind of work and like working with the prisons was amazing and working with the like the offenders was amazing and they were like so desperate for art and I was like do I want to be an actor should I just go into social justice and I didn't really understand how the two fit together right you know I felt selfish that I was like I'm the child of revolutionaries and I am like living this like very lush life of like creating art right and I didn't really see that they that they come together in this kind of intense way, and so um, I was cast as Hallie in Barry Child, which is crazy that they did Barry Child at a college. <laughs> but Rosa Josie was like, I really want to do it, and um, she there was this moment where she was like, Have you read Barry Child? Um, Hallie is like a sixty year old woman. And it's definitely a story about the American family like kind of crumbling and falling falling apart. It's it's an amazing play. But in the final act, Hallie kind of like goes crazy and she's like, where are all the men? Where are all the men? Like, and Rosa's like, I need you to cry here. Which is like, and she was like, and I know that's a terrible thing to say to an actor. She's like, but I need you to cry. And I couldn't, I couldn't cry. I just couldn't. I was like, I can't cry. And she, Hallie, I'm gonna totally ruin. Everything for everyone. So spoiler alert, Hallie rapes her son and then oh, wow. has gives birth to a child. And then the patriarch of the family kills a child, buries a child out in the in the in the woods, and everyone forgets about it. So this is like when all of the shit is coming up, right? Like the babies, like the skeletons here, like everyone, like all this shit's going crazy. And Rose is like, you need to cry. And I was like, I can't cry. I do not know what it, like, the atrocity. Like, I don't want to f- to feel any kind of emotional connection to something so atrocious. And Rosa was like, yeah, but you have to, right? You have to You have to find the truth in it. Or else, what are we, we're watching just some, you know, 20-year-old kid, like, jerk off on stage. He's like, I don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. <laughs> I'm like, that's a terrible metaphor that she used there. But, um... And it was this moment where I realized that theater is ultimately about compassion in a way that like, social justice is about like changing the world, quote unquote, for the better. But it's difficult to find the compassion, I think, so easily in social justice work that you need to find on stage. And she was like, you may not, she's like, you will never commit some kind of intense atrocity like this. But Hallie is a woman that is understood She's existing within a very rigid patriarchy and she has been ignored and oppressed and lonely her whole life. She's like, and you understand what it means to be oppressed and to be lonely and to feel ignored. And she was like, so just reach out across the void and like do it, right? Like take, go to the grossest parts of humanity and like extend the hand, right? And it's just like, that was like a moment and I was like, holy bleep, you're right, like, you're right, and that was, like, kind of when everything started to come together, when I was, like, whoa, theater is social justice, it is this kind of conglomeration of all these things that I've needed, I just didn't know how to put it to words, and Rosa literally forced me to get there. So that was, like, one of the thousands I could talk about Seattle University's theater program for forever, but that was, like, one of the many, like, moments that was, Changing to me as a human being, not just as an artist and and you
0: know perfecting my craft, but as a human being. So yeah, I'm just breath. I know I have to keep asking questions and stuff, but you kind of leave me breathless in a good way. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. So when did you graduate from SU? I graduated
1: in 2015.
0: So just I'm just a little Biebs. I took then, a fifth year or so, but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then this last this last years that you've been working
1: nonstop. Non-stop. I know. This last year has been a true a true blessing. I had the fortune of doing um Intimon, which got me like a ton. Like so many people saw me. And Intimon is like a awesome artistic home. And um and then I did stuff at Book It and then I did a straw shop show and then I did The Tempest (laughs) which is so much fun. And then I did uh Bernie's Apartments at Act which was awesome. And then I went straight into rehearsals for Hamlet. So it's been, like, nonstop
0: work, which is incredible. I'm like,
1: gracias. So, yeah.
0: What – I don't want to say what's your secret, but what advice – what advice do you give to folks who are hungry and want to be working that much? Mm. What advice do you have to offer to them? Advice.
1: I think the thing is, is that I didn't realize – when i graduated that i have something unbelievably unique to offer a production both in terms of like as as like a my artistic talent but also like my voice in the room and it's so easy for people to be like as actors you have no power there's no power you have to you have to go to auditions you have to like practically beg people to put you in their shows and i get that but i'm also like i exist not having power all the time as a woman as a Salvadoran, as, like, someone who's, like, am I queer, am I not, you know? Like, I exist without power. So I refuse to admit that when I walk into a room, I have no power. Because, like, what's the point of starting from there, you know? And so I feel like the thing is is that I'm just, like, I try to, like, always find my strength in a room, like, with people, even, like, like networking. Like, it's just about, like, who I am. And being like, yo, this is what I care about. This is who I am. I'm not here to fuck around, to waste anyone's time. I'm not here to do, like, white-centric productions. I'm not here to do racist shit. I'm not here to do oppressive shit. I'm here to do, like, what's going to make the world a better place. And I think people know that about me in terms of, like, around town. Um, And so, yeah, I guess my advice is to just, like, always just be hella honest, hella blunt, and just, like, speak your truth. Because (laughs) there's just so many of us. That, like, maybe that will resonate more. I mean, yeah. And have fun. I laugh a lot. I I make people
0: laugh a lot. I love it. There's this picture (laughs) I saw of you on Facebook, and it's you backstage as Ophelia. Eating (laughs) Cheetos. Eating jalapeno Cheetos, and your eyeliner (laughs) is running, and it's just so, like, what Ophelia would be in 2016. (laughs) She and loves I Cheetos. just thought I don't know. It was just perfection to me when I saw it. I just
1: and I don't yeah. know what you were doing
0: in that moment other than enjoying that. Che- but the look of intensity in your eyes is so <laughs> profound. Do you know Pilar O'Connell? Yes, yes. She came to the Cedar Show, and I'm I'm my two
1: favorite. Sna- if anyone wants to get me gifts, my two favorite sack food are snack foods are flaming hot Cheetos and jalapeno cheddar Cheetos. They're like my favorite food. Of all time. Like, I could eat those for the rest of my life and be totally happy. And so she brought me two bags of one of Flamin' Hots and one of the jalapeno cheddar. And I put them backstage and everyone was like, oh, God, that's so gross. Like, I would never eat that stuff. And I'm like, you don't... Clearly, you do not know you're missing out. And then by the end of the show, it was, like, all gone. And I was like, suckers. Sucked in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we can't end the... We can't end your interview on Cheetos. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I I... I was wondering if you could take us out with maybe some of your favorite Shakespeare. Just take us out with a couple lines. Doesn't matter what show, doesn't matter what part.
1: Oh damn. Like if you
0: were like a real housewife, oh, man. what would your like Shakespearean tagline line be? Oh god, this is hard cuz
1: now I'm like I don't know any Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a young Shakespeare scholar and I'm like, I don't know anything. All of the Shakespeare Who just went I? Out I know, it literally all was like, Psew. um, hmm. If I was a young Shakespeare scholar. What would I, say? I think going back to the advice thing, I know that it's hard to be a young actor and to, to want everything to fit into place. And you're like auditions are happening now, and I gotta, I, I gotta get in there, and I gotta get cast in these shows. I gotta get everything lined up. Mm-hmm. But my mom always said, she said in Spanish and in English, she said "Todo sucede por una razón," which means everything happens for a reason. It's a hella Catholic thing. So, um, and Ophelia has a line which is, "We know who we are, but no, now what we may be." And. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing about this like last year that I've learned is I'm like, you have no fucking idea where you're gonna end up in a year. Just like I had no idea I was gonna get the Fulbright, that I was gonna play Ophelia, that I was gonna do any of these shows. I had no fucking idea. And the big thing is just having to surrender to the to the imminent fate of it all. And to just like marvel in the, in the in the wonder that is the future in that sense. So yeah there is a special providence in the fall of a sparrow. And then I'm going to totally fuck this up, but if it be now, it is not to come, if it be not to come, it will be now. If it be not now yet, it will come. The readiness is all. Is the line from Hamlet. So, and I'm sure there's going
0: to be someone who's like, oh, "Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I be like this is not for you." But yeah. You did not stress the right. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah. So no." Well, this is I I can't I can't imagine a more perfect way to uh And doing podcasts in Seattle for me. So thank you for coming out and talking to me. thank you. This is, like, awesome. Actors, we love to talk about ourselves. Hell yeah, we do. (laughs)